is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. He's Anthony Pusick over here. And over here is the great EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. He joins us every Monday here on Game Misconduct. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm over here. Yes, and Anthony's over there, and I'm over yep, here. Yep, that's me, over here. Over there. And we're all ready. You're and I just want to I just want to yeah. throw some compliments out. I, I, You know, it's it's difficult sometimes to be able to carve out time to watch sports on a Saturday afternoon, but I did get to watch uh, the Flyers-Avalanche game, and, and it was so cool to see O'Connor and McKinnon coming down on a 2-0 with the empty net, both of them needing hat-tricks, and McKinnon, in such a hockey way, gives it to O'Connor, gets the hat-trick, and you were all over it. I thought you and Kevin were tremendous during that game, so kudos to you, buddy. Well, thank you very much, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you one one thing is Logan O'Connor, he played a terrific game, and he had his fingerprints on everything. He was killing penalties. Uh, He scored the two goals leading up to that, and he also drew... You know, he kept his feet moving and drew a penalty in the third period when Philadelphia was pushing. They had scored two goals. They were in one. They were really pressing for the tying goal, and he drew a penalty, and then subsequently the Avs scored on the power play. So he had a lot of uh, – and he was all over that game, and I thought it was a great show of leadership. Uh, and you're right, like, you know, a little bit of hockey. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but just something that uh, you see in this game and the unselfishness of – Nathan McKinnon could have easily scored and had another hat trick, but he he gave the puck to O'Connor, who scored and got his first career hat trick. So a nice moment, and it was a really uh, fun game to do. Well, the Avs, when they're going, boy, they're especially McKinnon. I don't don't know. I mean, McKinnon to me, you know, I know like McDavid, I I still believe is the best player, but McKinnon, I think, is the most fun to watch because when he gets that engine going back in his own zone with the puck on his stick, like you, you get out of your seat. You know something's going to happen, and uh, he was on his game certainly Saturday. Yeah, pretty incredible stuff. All right, let's start with the obvious story. Lou Lamarello does it again. Big hire of Patrick Waugh with the Islanders. I'm not surprised that Lane Lambert ran out of road. That was a tough loss against the Blackhawks in overtime. They were 0-3 and 1 in their last four. And you know, we talked about it, right, Anthony? That you know, if if Lou thinks he's got a chance, he's he's going to pull the trigger. He doesn't care. He brought in Larry Robinson, brought in Pat Burns. He's he's brought in high profile guys before. So, what did you think of the hire of Wah? I wasn't shocked that a change was made because if you lose to this Blackhawk team more often than not something's going to have to change especially if you're struggling what was shocking to me was the uh was signing why I, I didn't see that coming um we all kind of thought at least we've kind of talked about it that this team we didn't think had the pieces to compete for tops in the metro uh and lou wouldn't make a change if he doesn't feel like this team could compete but you've heard the way Wah talks, and he's a very confident guy to begin with, but he believes that this is a good team, and he thinks that there are pieces here to at least make a run to the playoffs. I don't I don't necessarily know about that. I still think that they're lacking offensively, but I'll tell you one thing. They're going to be held accountable. They'll be a good defensive structure, and it can't hurt Ilya Sorokin to have one of the best goaltenders of all time as his head coach. So I think it's a home run hire for Lou, and we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, early returns show that it was the right decision. Yeah, it's... It's uh, It was really interesting. I mean, first of all, it was really shocking. I had just finished doing the Flyers-Abs game on Saturday afternoon. We got the news, and I was like, wow. I mean, those are the kind of moments, you know, that you're like, you're really like, wow, that's a big, that's, that's a big deal. And 
was it, like to your point, I wasn't surprised that Lane Lambert, it, you know, they wanted to move on. It's just a surprise that, you know, it was a, as big a deal as it was with with someone with that kind of recognition, you know. Um, I would say that a couple of things. Lou always thinks his teams have a chance to win, even when they don't. <laughs> he always believes in his teams. I mean, it's, I mean, even when they had those Devils teams at the end of his tenure there, I mean, he was bringing in Scott Stevens and Adam Oates, if you remember that. They yeah. Co-coaches. And, you know, Lou always believes his teams can compete and be better and maybe win. So, you know, so th- I, that's the first thing. And the, the second thing is with uh, – Patrick Waugh, I figured he was going to be back. I mean, there's been a lot of talk lately about Patrick Waugh being uh, someone that could be on the radar. Um, there was some discussion, uh, you know, in the media about maybe him being the Ranger coach when uh, that job was open after the uh, departure of Gerard Gallant. Uh, I thought, for me, I thought the Ottawa Senators job would be a perfect job for him uh, because of a, for a number of reasons, he was—he's uh, just coached all these young players in junior. He's done a great job with them, so he understands that. He has that connection to that kind of part of the globe, uh, not too far away in Montreal. So I just thought that would have been a terrific place for him to be. But in the end, he comes to the Islanders, and Lou Lamarillo has always had this—he's uh, always loved those guys with connections to the Montreal Canadiens, going back to Jacques Lemaire and Larry Robinson and Jacques Laperriere, and, you know, the list goes on. He's had a lot of those guys in the organization. And um, it reminded me, guys, of when Lou hired Jacques Lemaire back in, I guess it was 92 or 93, because I remember I was at the draft in Quebec City, and literally every name that you could think of at the time came up for that job and of course with Lou that's you know you don't find anything out and right. except the name of Jacques Lemaire so like that was one of the crazy hirings at the time so it reminded me a little of that Patrick's mm-hmm. got his work cut out for him guys because you know even last night I mean there was 42 shots against the first 30 seconds of the game Duchesne came in on a, like a semi breakaway could have scored I mean it was they, they found a way to win in overtime, which they haven't done a lot this year. But, uh, you know, there's still a lot, to, a lot of work to do, but at least they're off to a good start. Now, we've talked about this before. It's the only time in, in my lifetime that I could remember there was a press conference to announce a coach and no one at the press conference knew who was being introduced. <laughs> I, I've never seen that That's before, was, right? ever. But yeah. Anthony was crazy. Yeah. I'm at the Winners Club at the Meadowlands, and we're all sitting there. I was working at Sports Phone at the time, and... And I remember, like, so I went, you know, big devil fan, so I went with my credential, and, I, and, and people are just sitting there just wondering who was going to come out from behind the curtain. It was, uh, that, yeah. that's, yeah. I, I can't imagine, that's probably the last time that's happened, and it'll never happen again. Only Lou. Yeah, not in this era. Not in this era. <laughs> never happen again. You're right. Yeah, uh, but um, let's stick in the Metropolitan Division. The Rangers just seem to be lost. I know they won last night, but it was not pretty. You know, they beat a, you got to beat the Ducks. I'm sorry, they got six wins at home. Uh, they've got six wins in their last thirty. Uh, there, you know, no Zegris. Uh, they, there's a there's a mess. They got to win that game, and they did. But I, I harken back for anybody that hasn't heard me say this: if you're ever you know watching the NHL Network or if you're ever in the car listening to the NHL radio. Make sure that you listen whenever you have 
Dan Rosen with his power 16 because you get the chemistry between you guys just amazing and you get on him and all that <laughs> but you know you were getting yeah. on the Rangers and he, and he still had the Rangers very high and you're like oh he's won, they won a couple in a row but you know they, they beat you, when you're playing a team, the same team back to back nights you're going to split and, and they did and then they beat a Seattle team that hasn't won you know since they've lost four in a row and now you beat a Duck team that's not very good I mean I, I think the Rangers are a mess right now it's the same five guys scoring it's the same song and dance and the awful five on five goaltending has been less than spectacular and you know they started out 18 four and won their first 23 and the last 23 you know they're 11 11 and one you know so will the true rangers please stand up yeah i think uh you know i, I have mixed feelings because on one hand as i look at it right they're in first place and they are tied for the fifth most points in the league. So, you know, to your point, they had the good start, so that's helped in that regard. I, I just think it's such a long season and it's so competitive. I mean, they're going through that stretch, and they got to figure it out, obviously. If they continue on this kind of path with the way they've been playing in these last, as you point out, these last 20-some-odd games, I mean, they're probably going nowhere. But I think there's more there. And I think that there's still time for them to kind of figure things out. They're in a good spot. You know, like, you know, Carolina's making a move up the standing, so they're a team to watch. But, uh, you know, I think they're in a good spot still. I do think they'll figure it out. I just think there's a lot of teams. I mean, there's a few, there's a couple that have just, you know, continue to play well all year. Like Vancouver has had no issues all year. They've had almost no injuries. They just keep rolling along. It's been one of those years. They were like the Devils last year where, like, everything went right. And that's where they are this year. Boston continues just to do what Boston does, which is kind of amazing because you know they lost their top two centers, and still here they are near the very top of the standings. Winnipeg's been a great surprise. We talked about Colorado. But if you look after that, I mean, there's a lot of teams that have been kind of up and down. Vegas has kind of married the Rangers. They had a great start, and they really struggled. Now, they have had a lot of injuries, but I, I kind of feel like the Rangers are going to figure it out. But you're right. It's been a struggle of late. And if I'm – like when I talked to Dan – not putting together a power rankings for as of right now, like they're certainly not as high in the list as maybe some other teams, but I still have a lot of belief that they're going to figure it out. Now, I, this is going to be an exercise in futility because there's going to be a lot of qualifiers, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Um, Go ahead. Of course, you know, I, I say this before Chris Kreider bats a puck out of midair. Uh, on a breakaway and scores last night, but he missed a chance on a two-on-one where it was clear as day that he had the net and should have shot. Um, I know that 93 and 20s, Zibanejad and Kreider, like, they like to keep them together no matter what they do in terms of line jumbling. Uh, and I wonder, keeping Kreider on power play one, if you put him on the third line, because Will Cooley has seemed to figure out a way to play very hard, be aggressive on the puck, and would probably benefit from having somebody like Zibanejad as his center and maybe Kako as his winger, and you put Kreider on the third line, but is it is it EJ even worth discussing this when, with all due respect, Johnny Brodzinski is your third line center? Maybe if Filipito was healthy, you could have that conversation of moving somebody down to the third line. But at this point, it just seems like the Rangers have to stick with the top six forwards on that top six because of the nature of where they are with the lack of depth at center. But I feel like keeping 93 and 20 together doesn't necessarily have to be the case, especially while this team is struggling to score outside of the Trocheck line. Yeah, I think when you're struggling, I think you you try to do different things. I mean, you try to move people around a little bit, but you make a good point. I mean, I think the the injury to Heedle has kind of thrown them off because you're right. I mean, they're they're thin through the middle with him being out, and you know, luckily Trocheck's played pretty well this year. Zabanejad is Zabanejad. I mean, he's had his ups and downs, but still a 
high high end player in this league. So, you know, Hito, I, I you know, I'm a fan of Philip Hito, but unfortunately, you're not playing. You're not playing, and you're you're not helping the team. I mean, due to injury. So hopefully, he can get back soon. But uh, that's a challenge for them. There's no doubt about it. And you know, Peter Lavi left been around a long time, and I do think they've got, they still have had a little, they've had a cushion to play with. They have less of a cushion now, but I think you do have to move people around sometimes when you're in that situation. They're a little stale. I mean, let's face it, it's win one, lose one, win one, lose one. They're getting underperformance from a lot of different people, Don. I mean, you guys see, you guys watch the Rangers probably more closely than me, but from afar, I see, you know, several players there that could be, you know, they're a little bit of a slide for whatever reason. So, you know, their team is probably waiting to get to the break here. And maybe the break will help them. We'll see how they do in these final few games leading up to it. But, uh, you know, maybe the break will help them kind of get back on track. You know what I don't like? Because um, I, what I – listen, it's all about how you're playing, right? The one thing about Laviolette, he mm-hmm. wasn't so quick to start shuffling lines. Gallant did it all the time. But now you're starting to see it a little bit more. And I'm all for shuffling lines when late in the game. You need a goal. But last night you're down two nothing against the lousy duck team. It's it's early in the second period and you're already double shifting Panarin and dropping Kako to the fourth line. I mean, uh, listen, has Kako been great? No. Uh, is Kako ever going to live up to being the second overall pick in the draft? No. But you bring him back from injury, missed 21 games. You throw him on the top line. He's played well. Um, at least watching him, he hasn't embarrassed himself. Like why so quick? to start double-shifting Panarin against the Ducks in the second period. I mean, does Kako have a place on this team or not? And and if he doesn't, then why did you rush him back to play uh, the play, you know, top-line minutes as soon as he came back from his injury? That that was kind of confusing to me. I think I'd be – I'd take advantage of the situation I'm in, be a little bit patient for Kako, because if they can't make a deal, EJ, they're going to need guys like Kako and Wheeler and Cooley to supply some offense. It can't be the same guy, five guys all the time. And I think Kako's your best shot of maybe doing something. Uh, I, I'm surprised that they are so quick to take minutes away from him. Yeah, I, I you know again, Peter is uh, you know he's been around, he's seen it for a while, and maybe he's feeling some of the you know feeling this the stretch they're in, right? Where they, they haven't been able to get consistency, they haven't been able to put you know wins together and be playing at a better level. I mean, they're on a trip there, they lose to Vegas pretty handily, then they go and lose a tight one to L.A. He's probably figuring, you know what, we got we got two winnable games here. We got Anaheim and San Jose. We have to win these games. Yeah, have and to. so you feel you feel the pressure of like, hey, we can't let this slip away, and so you start really leading on your top players. But I think that's what it tells you more than anything else, really, where where Peter feels this team is. I mean, you always you want to know where you are with the coach or where the coach feels about players. Just watch how they play them. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? And uh, you know, that was a little bit of a statement last night that he felt he was really disappointed in the way things were going and was desperate to get that team back on track and. That's the coach's job, and they figured it out. But you know, that's the small picture. That's in the moment, right? The bigger picture is well, we have these, you know, we have this guy, and you know, oh, is he part of this team? To your question, is he is he have a place on this team or not? And you know, I guess time is going to tell. But it is it has been a disappointment. It is a disappointing ride. I can remember when Kako came out, and it just goes to show you that you know, drafting kids at at 18 years old is a, is a you know is not an easy chore. And there were people legitimately, the legitimate question was like Jack Hughes and Kako, like who's better? And, you know, I always feel like we have that answer now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, 
But that was a legitimate question, guys. I mean, if you go back to the time of the draft and like right afterwards, because you remember Kako had had scored a game with the the, the gold medal winning goal for Finland against Team USA at the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. He had played amongst men at the World Championships, and he was such a big, strong guy. There was a lot of feeling that hey, maybe this guy. Remember, a lot of people thought he would be the next, you know, Miko Ratsman. and that just not has not played out. And on the other side, you know, Jack has become a star, albeit someone that's gotten dinged up you know, over over time, and we still worry about that moving forward, but clearly he's a superstar player in the league. So, uh, you know, the Rangers had two two very high picks in, uh, you know, in Kako and Lafreniere, and, uh, you know, Lafreniere is making progress, but at the end of the day, when you have picks that are that high and they don't become superstar players, you're disappointed. And, uh, you know, and it goes back to of, you know, you can have a high pick, but if you don't have a high pick in a year where the draft class is spectacular, it, you know, you still got the challenge of developing a player, and those two guys it's taking time. I know that the Hurricanes are 7-2-1 and one in their last 10, still third in the Metro, and Rob Brindamore is arguably one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League, but I feel like every time we have this podcast, DJ, I look up and I see a game that is just so bafflingly bad by the Hurricanes. Last night, losing 5-2 to two to the Wild, only giving up 19 shots on goal. That is not a winning formula for a team that doesn't have a lot of high-end scoring. And they just I feel like for a team that has high expectations, they have way too many of these games where their goaltending just doesn't get it done for them. Well, they've got goaltending issues, don't they? I mean, they've had, yeah. they've had injuries. I mean, Freddie Anderson no, is not there. Ranta uh, was so bad that they sent him to the minors. They brought him back. Uh, they've picked up Spencer Martin off waivers. They have Kochetkov, who's a young guy that they like a lot, but uh, you know they don't. They seem not really willing to to give it to him quite yet. So you know that's a that's a, a question mark and a big question mark for any team and certainly for that team. Um, you know they're playing a lot better for sure, and they're making a push up the standings. But you know they played a Minnesota team that. It's got, they're getting a couple of guys back from injury, but, boy, they are a desperate team right now. They really are. I mean, they made a coaching change. They brought in John Hines. They had a really good response to him. And then the bottom fell out with injuries. And they're on a trip right now. Wow, they were in Tampa where they lost. They got beat pretty good there. They bounced back and won a really nasty game in Florida where there was a lot of uh, chippiness and fighting and suspension came out of that to William Lockwood for a play on Mark andre Fleury and um, they won that game, they went up to Carolina I just think they, they were in complete desperation mode and, and I think probably took Carolina a little bit by surprise and and got the win but uh, you know as I, as I said earlier with this league, it's a hard league on any given night, I mean look at Philly, they've been playing so well, that you lose to Colorado okay Lose to Colorado, you figure they're going to bounce back against yep. the league against Ottawa, who struggled this year, and boom, the Ottawa Senators put up five and win the game. So I mean, I just think on any given night, anybody can win in this league. It's uh, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, Edmonton's been on this long winning streak. I think they played Chicago in the middle of that winning streak somewhere in Chicago. They only beat them one nothing. Yeah, that's right. Correctly. So like, it's just on a night to night basis. This is a hard league to win. You never know when you look at that bench, twenty guys that are sitting there. Who's dealing with a you know a bad ankle? Who's dealing with a bad shoulder? Who's playing through this? Who's who's not feeling well? Uh, I just think it's a hard league night tonight tonight. So yeah, that's not a great loss for Carolina. But the bigger picture is they have been playing better. They are moving up the standings, and you know they still have a good team. But 
you nailed it, Anthony. They got, I mean, they got a big problem because if I don't care how well you play in front of the goalie, you need a goalie that's going to give you a chance to win every night and is going to make the timely saves when you need them. And I don't see that right now with Carolina. I have questions about everybody they've rolled out there. So we'll see how it goes. But that's a big hole, especially when you get into uh, you know you get to the postseason and you're in a in a seven game series with somebody when you know you don't have a goalie that you feel. It's going to be able to, to get the job done for you. That's the way they operate in Carolina with goaltending. They do a lot of uh, analytics works with the goaltenders. But, listen, they've had a good team. It hasn't paid off so far. We'll see. Now, you said Edmonton, 13 straight wins. Um, wow. You know, just destroying the franchise record, which is crazy. I know we did institute overtime until 83, and, of course, there was a lot of um, you know ties back in the day. But you know, not only that, that it's the longest in franchise history, it's the longest any Canadian team has ever had? I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, with all those Toronto teams, all yeah, those Montreal is. teams, and nobody had a 13-game yeah. winning streak? Yeah, that's amazing, because, you know, you're right, the Montreal Canadiens, think about them. But I think the tie, right, was is the thing. I mean, the Canadians, what was it, the 77 Canadians, maybe? I forget, or 76, they were 68 and 12 in a uh, 80-game schedule. 60 wins, 8 losses, 12 ties. Those ties, I guess, are the yeah. things that derail those winning streaks, and now we have a guaranteed winner in every game, so you're, you're able to do that. So that's the only answer that I would have, um, but it's pretty, uh, you know, it's pretty special what they're doing right now when you think about where they were at the start of the season. I mean, I can remember saying I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I mean, the numbers told you with the start they had that they didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. Well, now, you know, you know, if it wasn't for Vancouver playing so well, I mean, they might get to first place. So um, it's been a great story for them. We'll see. I mean, last year, you guys remember, in the last couple of months of the season, they did something similar. They had a, they had a great run down the stretch. I think they finished the season like something like 18-2-1 or 21-2, some crazy numbers like that. And then they ended up on the short end against the Vegas Golden Knights. So, they're relatively healthy right now. They just looks like they're adding Corey, Corey Perry as a as a depth forward. He could be a helpful player on the back end of that group who's had experience winning in his career. So uh, you know we'll see. But again, it's it's January, right? So we'll see how this team looks as we move down the stretch. But they they had to turn it around because of how the start was. They put together an eight game winning streak, and now they have a thirteen game winning streak. So they've certainly climb back into the to a situation where they will be in the playoffs. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, it is official that Corey Perry is signing with, with Edmonton, what he would kind of bring to that team that already, that already is on an insane winning streak, but that obviously helps out um, That helps out their bottom six. Um, tonight, EJ, any games that you're looking at that you're really uh, dialed into? I mean, Bruins-Jets should be, should be a fun one. Yeah, that is a good one. That is a really good game when you think about it tonight. I mean, the... the uh, the Jets have been a great story this year. And, you know, the Bruins, as I mentioned earlier, I don't know how they do it. I mean, it's just like, I, I mean, this is, this is a terrific season again this year. I mean, 28-9-8 on, uh, on the season. And they started the year without the top two centers. And yet, here we are. They're still rolling along right at the top of the league. So that's a good one tonight. Two teams that have played very, very well. They recently played in Winnipeg, so it'll be good to see them play in Boston, uh, Swayman has kind of been 
the guy just had to take uh, take the net a little bit with Omar being injured. He's back now, so we'll see what they decide to do there. But that's a real challenging game tonight. Uh, you know, Vegas comes east. They're making the swing. They got the they got the Devils, the Islanders, and the Rangers. So we'll see. You know, Vegas has had a lot of injury issues, but they've put together some wins lately. They, and and they have felt the stress, right? They were like like the Rangers. They had a great start to the season. They had a lot of injuries that kind of derailed them, but they really were struggling. And uh, luckily they had that cushion, so they need to get back on track. So this will be an interesting trip, you know, coming in and playing, you know, a Devils team that's kind of desperate to win tonight. And then they get the Patrick Wall Islanders tomorrow night. They get mm-hmm. the Rangers later in the week. So it'll be an interesting trip, trip for them. And, you know, every night you look at the schedule, there's, there's, there's interesting games all across the docket that have meaning. For all these teams, Florida's lost a bunch of games in a row. They're on the road in Nashville. I mean, they need to get turned around. They've played well in most of these losses, but they're losses. So they need to figure it out. Well, you got six teams in the wild card race, and that's not counting the teams that are in the top three that can end up falling down to the wild card. Let me ask you about Detroit. Uh, they're right now they're the first wild card team. They had a huge win against Tampa last night, ending their five game winning streak. You, you think the Red Wings a have enough to to hold on to this spot? And and B, can they make a move to try to make sure that they stay there? Well, I think they they, they could make a move. Um, I think that uh, you know I talked to Alex Tange, who was our former one of my former colleagues at NHL Network, and obviously a great player with the Avalanche during his career at a couple other clubs. Uh, and he's a really sharp hockey guy. He's you know he's an assistant coach there in Detroit, and you know he put it pretty straightforward. He said, "When we get saves, we win." You know and Started the season, Billy Huso played very well, and James Reimer had a couple of good games, and, and they had success. And then the goaltending went bad, and they really struggled. And now Alex Lyon has kind of come in and come to the rescue over the last uh, little bit and played really well. He's had really, He's been their best, most consistent goalie from the start of the season. And the Red Wings have been able to put together a nice run, 7-2-1 in their last 10, and but I just think it's going to be a scramble. I mean, like, I, I just look. I just, you know, I mean, like, can we can we count out New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders? I mean, even to a lesser degree, Buffalo, maybe Montreal. I mean, I, you know, it's Philly going to stay playing at the high level they've been at. I mean, they're in a spot. I mean, they're only three points ahead of Detroit. Detroit's played one fewer game. You know, Toronto is, you know, kind of been an odd team this year with the, the high-end players they have at the top of the lineup, but they only have 54 points. So I just think this is a scramble. I mean, it is. I mean, you like Boston. I like Florida. I like the Rangers. I think Carolina, you know, will we'll get there. I mean, Tampa, you know, um, they're 7-3 in the last 10. I love the top of their group. They got their goalie back. They're a great organization, really well coached. I mean, if I'm, if I'm betting, I'm betting they'll find a way, but it's a scramble. I don't know what else to say. I know it's, the regular season has so much meaning. Hard, yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't want to sit there and toot the horn for the NHL, but you know the NBA with load management and they had to create the whole in-season tournament because their regular season just isn't appealing. It's just not. But the NHL is for this reason because and and, and because of the fact that hey, these teams that we're talking about that we're not sure if they're going to make the playoffs or not. They can make a run. Look at Florida last year. You know, so we're not just right. talking about teams exactly. that are just set, being set up to be demolished in the first round. We're talking about the right oh. to get to the tournament where you can be that team. 
And and that's why it's just so fascinating to me. There's only a handful of teams: Ducks, Sharks, Blackhawks. Most of the you know the the bottom end of the Western Conference. I guess you'd you'd throw Ottawa uh, in the mix in the in the East. But you know, would you be that crazy? We were talking about it earlier. Would you would would it be that crazy if all of a sudden Buffalo went on like a ten game run and found themselves in the thick of the wild card race? Montreal, yeah. that's still kind of hanging yeah. around, good young talent. Like so, there's only a handful of teams that are out. And meanwhile, everybody else got something to play for. Yeah, it's like I said. I try to make that point to people all the time about the, the level of competitiveness, competitiveness in this league, and uh, you know, it's it's a one goal game most of the nights. And so we'll see whoever's going to stay healthy. And, uh, you know, that's why teams are changing coaches all the time. I mean, that's why Lou brings in, makes the coaching change. He thinks he, he wants to get in the playoffs because he knows if he gets in the playoffs, he's got a shot. He's got a really good goalie. Right. You know, he's got, he's got Sorokin. He's got a veteran group of players. They get in the playoffs, and Patrick Watt can get him playing a certain way. Like, do you really want to play them in a first-round series? I mean, nope. I'm of the mind this year that whoever, wins, whoever gets in and can win in the first round, that will leave you with eight teams. Any of those eight teams that remain could win the Stanley Cup, in my view. Now, some will have a better chance than others. But I look at it, I just well, don't see anybody. Like, I still think when, when they're completely healthy, I think the Vegas Golden Knights have the best team. But they haven't been completely healthy this year, for sure. There's no guarantee they will be healthy when it comes time, you know, when the playoffs begin. I mean, remember last year, Mark Stone joined them at the start of the playoffs. So that made a big difference. So for me, I've said it for years and years, Donnie, you've heard me say it a million times. It's injuries and matchups when it comes to the playoffs. Yep. But it's tighter than ever right now. And teams are going to do whatever they can to try to get in. For the Islanders, they made that big move. They get in, they feel, and I can see it. I can see the logic makes sense. If we get in, that's Sorokin, that veteran group. We've gone to a conference final a couple times within the last five years. Why not us? Right? And no. so I just think, oh, that's why you see the coaching changes. That's why you see fan bases, you know, shuffling. And, you know, they want, like, if something goes wrong, they want you to make a change of some sort. Or who can we add? Or can we make a coaching change? So it's as competitive as it's ever been in this league. I mean, there is a little cheat code in here because you have the loser point, which keeps things close when it comes to these overtime situations. But that's the way it is. It's not changing. And uh, it's going to be a struggle. And for the teams like, you know, like we've talked a lot about the Rangers at the start of this, for the teams like the Rangers that get off to a good start and are in a good position right now, that's really great news. They just have to continue to kind of figure it out and, and kind of get back on track. But like for those teams, I know their fan bases get nervous. The Rangers are in a great situation because they're sitting in first place. They're fourth or fifth or sixth in the league in points. They've got a really good team there. It's got to figure it out a little bit over the next several weeks and get back on track and keep pushing forward. All right, buddy. Always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this. Enjoy uh, your week. What games do you have this weekend? All right. I got a pair of games this weekend. I got the Flyers and Bruins, which should be a good one on Saturday. Nice. I think they're honoring Mark, Mark Recchi in Philly on Saturday. Okay. And on Sunday, I have the Kings and the Blues. So one East, one West for the weekend. So that'll be a lot of nice. fun. All right, man. Enjoy, man. We'll talk All to you right. next week. All right, you got it, guys. Take care. See you, All right, that is the great EJ Raddick. Watch him on the NHL Network. Uh, hear him call those games on their um, showcase afternoons on Saturday and Sunday. A couple of good games. You look at these teams, Anthony, like everybody's got a flaw. All right, Boston's best team in the East, but do they have enough centers? 
to be able to get them through. You know, the Rangers with their struggles, even though they're in first place in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, Colorado, who's their goaltender? You know, who's going to be their goaltender when they fight, when it's all said and done? Dallas has their moments where you're like, what the heck happened there? <laughs> you know, and right now Winnipeg and Vancouver are, look like the best teams in the NHL. But uh, there's not much pedigree there. I mean, Winnipeg hasn't been out of the first round since they made the conference final in 2018. It's pretty much a different team with the exception of Hullabuck. Yep. And uh, Vancouver didn't even make the playoffs last year, you know, so or for a while. So they're not exactly teams that have the pedigree of making the playoffs every year like Boston and the Rangers and stuff. So there's so many flaws, and and it's just here we are January 22nd, and uh, you tell me who's going to win the Stanley Cup. Well, look, again, we thought, look, Boston going away back in November of last year was the best team in hockey, and then they got bounced in the first round, and that could happen. I think it's better for all these teams to see their flaws and see how they can react to them before the trade deadline in order to get themselves to a higher level. Um, in terms of teams that have the least amount of flaws, I would say probably, Winni- like you said, Winnipeg and Vancouver, but they're not proven. It seems like Boston doesn't... We may say that Boston has flaws, but they seem to be able to handle them pretty well. They and do. you have to feel confident about them, especially with their goaltending. True, but again, like you said, then how do you explain what happened last year? Granted, exactly, the Panthers made the run; they did. But it's like, like how how did you lose in the first round when you were the greatest team in the history of the regular season? Like that's what see that's that's the argument that people that are anti hockey will say the regular season doesn't mean anything because you can break a record for wins and get bounced in the first round. But my counter to that is okay, that's that's true. But look at these teams that are at the bottom of the conference battling to make the wild card that may not make the playoffs, and by missing the playoffs, they may miss a chance to compete for the Stanley Cup. Like I said, Pittsburgh got bounced in the last day of the season against the Chicago Blackhawks, and Florida made the playoffs, and Florida makes the run, and Pittsburgh didn't. You know, maybe yeah. maybe it would have been Pittsburgh that would have been able to make that run. They didn't even make the playoffs for the chance to make that run. So I guess it's all how you look at it. But the fact is, is that every night there seems to be multiple meaningful games, and any points lost can end up costing, literally cost you a chance at a championship. Yeah, I mean, look, the the Predators are currently in a playoff spot. Are they going to beat the Panthers at home tonight? I don't know. I mean, there's a chance because they're actually not playing terrible. But the Panthers, I would think, are the better team. But every, as you said, Don, almost every night I look at I look at the scoreboard and say I was kind of surprised at the way that this turned out. There's not a whole lot of days where the where the favorite wins every night. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Islanders won last night, and that was you know a little bit of a boost with Wah. Um, I think that the Red Wings are are very sneaky and, and, and very good. Um, I kind of like the way I, I know Arizona doesn't have the depth of other teams, but I like the way that they fight. I mean, I don't know if they're going to make it. They're four points out right now with two games in hand on Nashville, but at least it's nice to see them kind of well, turn the corner a little bit. They ha- I like Clayton Keller a lot. They have some scoring on that team. Um, and yeah, look, I mean, he just said it too. Like, you don't know what you're, you're getting out of Philly. How long are they going to keep this going? They're still 6-3-1 and one in their last 10 and holding on to second in the Metro. But if Carolina doesn't get their goaltending figured out and the Islanders right. don't, you know, go on a little toot here, as you would say, um, are, is Philly in danger of getting out of the top three in the Metro? Right, I'm not know. sure. You know, it, 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 it's really crazy. And the other aspect, and this isn't why Lou did it, but the other thing I like about the, the hiring of Patrick Waugh is that hey? Sometimes you need a little, you need a light on you. You need a little attention. And the Islanders were kind of stale there, because um, you know they've been removed from those back to back third round appearances. And there's a lot of competition for attention in New York sports. Well, they just picked up the highest po- profile coach in New York. 
Like it's Patrick Watt. Yeah. yeah, you gotta pay attention to that. I'm sorry. Now, you know, obviously he's not a high profile coach in the sense of what he's accomplished as a coach in the National Hockey League, but he's Patrick Waugh. I mean, everybody knows who Patrick Waugh is. Even people that aren't hockey fans know the name Patrick Waugh. So I'm not saying that's the reason Lou did it, but the positive byproduct of that is is that there's gonna be a lot of light on the Islanders right now and a lot of attention because of the fact of who their coach is and you know, and if he gets into another altercation like he did when, when Bruce Boudreaux was the coach of the Ducks, <laughs> that could be interesting, too. It's funny. I saw that. I probably saw that uh, that highlight of, of that altercation with the uh, glass partition moving more over the last 24 hours than I've seen it, I think, in the oh, last five great, years. Oh, it was great, wasn't it? <laughs> I remember watching it live, and I, 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 I just couldn't believe that that was happening. Are you going to take any credit, by the way? for what you said on the K-Show on Friday when you said that if any of these teams, and that was the Devils, the Islanders, and the Nets that played on Friday night, yeah. and you said what, if, if one of these teams lose, it, there might be a coaching change. And, and it I, turned I, out to be the Islanders making that coaching change. And I, and, and, and I meant it. And, you know, and um, the Devils ended up beating up on the, the Blue Jackets. And, and the Nets beat the Lakers. And the Nets beat the Lakers of all teams. Scored 130 points, but the Islanders lost in overtime to Chicago. So I'm not surprised. And I'm still going to keep an eye on Lindy Ruff as well. Uh, because you know EJ just explained like how important it is for these teams to be able to make the playoffs, and you know the Devils did not get any momentum after beating the Blue Jackets. They were hammered at home on Sergey Breland night against the Stars. Jack Hughes not skating before the All Star break. Either. Yeah, and I mean that could be a built in excuse, but at the same time, you know he sheer is back, and you know they just have a lot of issues. No, there are deeper right issues now. than just the injuries. Yeah, and, and then you got that. Vegas tonight, and and um, and we'll see. You know, see again. Vegas is really, really banged up, but still a very, very good hockey team. And you know, they start digging themselves a hole they can't get out of. It's not going to look that great for the Devils, who everybody thought was going to win a Stanley Cup, and then they're not making the playoffs. And time could be starting to run out here. So uh, I would keep an eye on last year's Coach of the Year, Jack Adams Trophy winner, Lindy Ruff, is maybe the next coach that could possibly uh, fall here. Thanks, DJ Raddick, Anthony. This was good. Let's do it again on Wednesday. Oh yeah. And we'll have a lot of interaction on Wednesday. So at Don LaGreca and at Anthony Pusick, hashtag Game Misconduct. So we'll talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.